I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Listening to Acton Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Acton Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Huge welcome to um, a slightly different Acton Mill, sort of one of the plans. Uh, big welcome, first of all, to Michael Avery. Welcome on the show, Michael. Hello, Nick. Hello, listeners. I hope everyone's safe and healthy and we're all doing well. Yeah, I'm keeping two metres apart. Not everyone does when you're out and about, but still. Um, this was going to be a live edition, dear listeners. I was going to try, for reasons that I'll go into later, um, to do a live stream on live internet radio. And, um, I mean, to be honest with you, Mike, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I don't like to play the age card too often, but I, was, I thought I did very well just to get this thing set up to the point where I thought it could actually broadcast a Skype conversation, but at the moment, I, whenever I go onto the Skype and then broadcast it through the, the radio uh, stream, I can't hear what you're saying. That won't make for much of a conversation, mate, will it? You know, it's a two-way thing conversation. Yeah, indeed. And uh, to be fair, you're one of the more hippier uh, over-60s <laughs> that I know, Nick, in truth. And, and, and when, when, you explained, uh, when you explained the concept to us, I just sort of looked at it and done the uh, confused <laughs> nod and just said, yeah. Well, as long as I don't have to do anything but talk, <laughs> the the concept, listeners, was um, well, I had a suggestion that um, the fourth, which is Saturday, is obviously um, in these straight and difficult times. It's the sixteenth um, anniversary of the fourth of April in two thousand and four, and we 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 concocted it. Or we, I don't know. Actually, I think I might have concocted this madcap idea, Michael. I'm using the royal we. Um, I concocted the mad idea that we might be able to organise a four-way conversation on Skype and then broadcast it through the uh, the live radio so that people can kind of interact with us as we're talking. Um, and the problem is I can't hear anyone when, they're, when I, I can talk and you can hear me, but I can't hear what you're saying back, which is arguably one of the great marital aids that could be sold generally, couldn't it, if you can only have one-way conversations. Um but it won't make for great radio. So at the moment, this was going to be a live show. It's going to be an experiment, actually, this show tonight. Um, and I think probably Dr. Hart's experiment has failed at an early early stage in in the uh, in proceedings. But 
Yeah, uh, it's um, it, for for those listeners who haven't sort of seen us or uh, or met us <laughs> in the flesh. Basically, our uh, our group chats rem- are very reminiscent of uh, Back to the Future. Nick is the uh, Christopher Lloyd. Doc Brown, who comes up with these <laughs> ideas, I'm the Marty McFly. Yeah, just about <laughs> here. And I'm the Marty McFly that just drives around and listens to whatever he tells me to do. And the others are very similar. <laughs> so I don't know what we'll do. I'll, I'll do something. We will do something, um, but we might have to abandon the the interactive part. Of that. But we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'm going to mull on this some more. But anyway, we like to bring you something. Uh, dear listeners, in these dark times, we like to bring you an Actong Millwall show. So um, the hook that I was going to hang the live broadcast on tonight with Michael, I thought we'd just carry on doing it as a podcast. You can listen to it at your your leisure. Um, now, this was actually, originally, Michael, was going to be an article I was going to do for um, uh, a fanzine. Um, but obviously, in the, in, the, in the post-coronavirus era, there's no selling of fanzines going to be for a TLR. Um, but I, I thought we'd just do it on this now, as we, we have a need of a of a swift subject out of nowhere. And I thought I'm going to make use of this article idea. So it's my 10 Millwall famous stroke infamous moments of the last decade of the 2010 or 2010 to 2019 decade. So I've picked out 10 games over that decade that strike me, at least, as famous or in a couple of cases, infamous uh, in middle terms so I, I, you tell me if you agree with these 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 um choices as we go along michael and you too listeners actually um this was intended to be interactive it won't be quite as interactive as i hoped it would be but i'm going to kick off and i think this is probably a, a fairly um consensus choice with the first uh, famous game of decade was the Millwall two huddersfield nil playoff win that was held on the 18th of um may 2010, a wonderful night at the Den, Michael. Atmospheric, um, beyond belief that night. Yeah, and um, I, I believe when we did our recent review of uh, 0910, yeah. that was uh, that was also probably my favourite game as a Millwall fan being at because yeah, a lot a lot of people say about the old Den, and a lot of people say about the sort of big bigger games and cup finals, semi finals, playoffs, etc. But you know, as as we said then, and as we're going to say now, uh, and we won't elaborate too much, obviously, because we've got quite a list to go through. But this this was a real Millwall game. You know, you, like the the crowd just absolutely fed the players. The players just sort of like hooked it into them, and you know, they were just pumping it into them. And there was only ever going to be one winner. And if you ever hear people say that the crowd really fires up the team, that was a classic example, in my opinion, Nick. Absolutely. I was just reading as as we're talking, I'm just reading a BBC uh, report of that night. Um, and I think one thing that um, you kind of half forget is it was actually quite a close affair. I mean, we, we went ahead through Steve Morrison's goal um, and then a late Paul Robinson goal to seal it. But it was actually quite an edgy game. And I think you're right. The crowd actually lifted the side and pulled us through. Um, just one quote uh, from Paul Fletcher, who was the journalist covering the game for the BBC, that Steve Morrison's play epitomised the endeavour. And the verve that Millwall showed in front of a fantastic atmosphere at the New Den. It was an incredible atmosphere that night. And um, that's my first choice, the first famous game of the decade. Millwall 2, Huddersfield nil on the 18th. And then, just a few days later, I switched to my next famous game, which was the the, uh, the final, the uh, the playoff final at Wembley, which was um, on the, the 29th. So it was about, what's that, 11 days later. Um, we we played Swindon Town 
in the playoff final. Um, that was quite a close edgy game as well, Michael, wasn't it? Looking back, that that was um, you know it, it wasn't um, it wasn't comfortable. Although we you know we, we got ahead and we held a lead, there were times and we've spoken about the bobble and the breakaway by Charlie Austin, but. Um, you know, it was it, it was a close run thing. Yeah, no, indeed. And do you know what? Ironically, um, I actually didn't do this just for this show. It was uh, something I've, I've actually had it. Uh, I've had a bit of a spring clean. And next to my bed now, and I'm actually holding it now in my hand. It's uh, "Family" by Michael Calvin. And I think uh, I think like if you look at the front and if you look at the blurb, if you will, yeah. the, uh, there's a quote at the top: "We're playing for the people who hate their jobs. We love our lives. Let's give them something special." And on the back, Millwall captain Paul Robinson's. We go to work, boys. It's our time. We make it our time. That was the great, that was the whole attitude point. of that squad. That was a and that was the, yeah. the governors. I think Mike Calvin turned them the governors, which was uh, uh, Don Robinson um, Morrison, I guess. Um, and that was a, those are fantastic quotes. I remember reading that when that book came out, and they're kind of spine tingling quotes. Uh, and again, mm. I've got a quote here from the from the match report. Um, Mill's defeat of Swindon was the victory for the victory for the power of persistence. Just keep plugging away, and it goes back to those attributes you've mentioned there by the, you know, by by those 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 players. Um, quite a cold day, if I remember. It wasn't wasn't a warm day. It was the 29th of May, but um, it was a, it was a chilly day. It was it was like a winter's day, wasn't it? That 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 uh, that Wembley final. Yeah, no, it was. It was a uh, very cold, very wet. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I always remember as well that I was like, do you know what, like because. Mill had all these new polo shirts on on their website, and it was oh, Millwall polo shirts stitched underneath. Bought myself one; it absolutely pissed it down, and my white shirt went see through. Um, <laughs> you need a jumper with a minute. I'm I'm not sure about you, and I'll tell you what I love. This is this is for the fans to to go along with as well. Now, there's a couple of moments in my sort of history as a football fan that I look at, and I just think you just you just wish, no matter how many times you see it you still get that initial feeling of, of when you were there. And for me, what one of them was Paul Gascoigne's miss against Germany in Euro 96. In the Euro you know, 96, yeah. 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 And to this day, I still I still shudder when I see that because I think literally if, if that's an inch. Yeah. But I, I, saw, I saw a clip of Charlie Austin's miss um, recently on, on somebody put it on Twitter. I'm not sure if it was the club or it was someone connected to the club. Um, but when I watched that again, when he hit it and it went wide, that I, I still had that feeling that I had that day as well. And it's and I just can't, you just can't, you just can't describe how these moments stay with you for for all your life. And you think this is what over ten years ago, nearly ten years ago now to the day, and I'm still feeling that emotion I had when that ball just went wide. And I think when that ball went wide, I thought, yeah, we've done it, we've yeah. done it. I, and I honestly think that, regardless of governors, regardless of how great that team was. I've still got that sort of Millwall fan belief that if Austin would have equalised and put that in, I think we may have the wind would have been in their in their sails and they might have gone on to actually win that game. It was quite a late break and that would have given them a real lift and it would have downed us having having gone on for so long. So, but yeah, that's that, that's the same inch, uh, Gaza's inch, Dion Dublin's inch, and Charlie Austin's little inch of divot. That, that there's there's a lot of you know I think they're all the same inch in the end. It's 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 as Kenny Jacket used to say fine margins in this game and um you know that that that's that's what decides success or failure because you look where Swindon are now as against where we are up until the the closure of um of football recently you know but we move along Michael because we're rattling through my 10 from 10 10 10 
famous stroke infamous games from the last decade. And my choice of number three was a game that I loved. I loved this game. Millwall 3, Crystal Palace nil on the 1st of January 2011. Um, the Jason Punchin show, um, who went on to play for Crystal Palace, of course, didn't he, Jason Punchin? And I think we had him on loan briefly from Southampton. Um, but it was a hat-trick, hat-trick for Jason Punchin, uh, aided and abetted by Josh McQuaid. Do you remember Josh McQuaid? There's a name that promised much and didn't didn't deliver much in the end. But today he was he had a, an assist for um, a flick header for Jason Punchin, who uh, fired a stunning volley past Julian Spironi in the Palace goal to open it up. Um, and we, we've got quite a good track record at home to Crystal Palace. They seem to lose quite regularly by decisive amounts. A bit like Cholton in a way. They If they get beat, they get beat heavy, don't they, at the den? No, no, indeed, indeed. And I, I remember that game very well because I always remember, I believe at the time, if I'm not mistaken, Southampton were either in League One or they was a lot below us in the table. And I remember thinking, this fella must be a real bad egg in that changing room if they're letting players go who scores hat-tricks against teams in the same division. Because he, he was a very, very good player, Jason Punchin. Yeah. Um, and there was a, there was a lot of talk recently of him signing for us, wasn't there? Especially in the last year, eighteen months. Every time um, he was put up for transfer or for loan, a lot of people said maybe we should sign him again. But I thought Jason Punch was a real, real class act, and he was this day. really yeah. did prove it. Yeah, yeah I mean, really, a... really, and a convinced, it was a convincing performance for him. A real good individual show. Hat trick performance. Um, great day. I love that day. I love. I, I always enjoy beating Crystal Palace more more than West Ham. I, 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 as I said the other day, I think um, I actually uh, have it in for Crystal Palace much much more than West Ham personally. Um, now it comes. I believe to... as well with that. So I was first saying yeah. just to follow on with that, Nick. I do apologise. That was. Um, I believe wasn't that. George Burley was in charge, and then he gets sacked straight after that. Game. I think that was a sacking. Yeah, we we we, yeah. we have we have had that impact on a few Crystal Palace managers. I mean, Koppel went, didn't he? In uh, after that friendly, he got beat six um, 0 I think he resigned, or he 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 disappeared into the twilight zone after that. Um, mm. But we 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 have we have managed to have an impact on Crystal Palace over uh, their management over the years. And I think Burley, I think that sounds familiar. I'd, I'd have to check that. I haven't checked that for this this show, but I think certainly there was a sacking or a res- resignation or something in the aftermath. Because I believe that was the year, wasn't that the year when we beat Bristol City the first game of the season and then um, who was their manager at the time? I think it was Koppel, he left when we beat them 3-0 and then I think we beat someone else and their manager resi- uh, left or resigned and then Burley went and then it became a little bit of a running joke between yeah. my, my uncle, it's the old it must show how shit we are that every time we beat someone, they sack their manager. Because oh, I think might, that was the third or fourth time that season. That might be a good idea for a show, and I might put that out as a consequence. We'll, I, I might stick it on Twitter, actually, to see if we can generate um, a show another day for, amongst amongst our group of managers who have got sacked after getting beat by Millwall. There must be quite a few over time. It, it seems to be a thing that if you get beat by Millwall, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's <laughs> it's the unbearable moment, isn't it? You, that means you've got to go. Because I remember Sven Goran Eriksson got sacked and, and John Barnes yeah, went, yeah. and there are others I, I, I might have to put it to the um, you know the, the Twitter jury to come up with more suggestions because I can't think of them as, as we're speaking now but we're going to move along um, we're going to come to an infamous game I'm afraid because we, we this show is always honest listeners we, we deal in good and we deal in bad of course um, and whether you like it or not Millwall nil <clears throat> Wigan 2 in the FA Cup semi-final 
on the 13th of April 2013 was memorable, uh, possibly for all the wrong reasons. Um, it was a very drab game, I must admit. I mean, leave aside the, the shenanigans in the in the stands, it was a very drab game. And Wigan, at the time, I think, were a Premier League outfit. They had some quality players in their side, managed by Roberto Martinez. So quite a high-powered side, looking back. And we were a little bit outclassed that day, Michael. I th- do you know what? I think we were totally, totally outclassed that day. And I, I think it speaks volumes when Sean sent Ledger, your on loan sent midfielders, probably one of your better players that day. Um, yeah. I just didn't see us. I just didn't see us getting anything from that game, in truth. And uh, I just saw it. I'm, I saw it as a bit of a day out, in in in, in all fairness, because even though Wigan, I believe they actually got relegated that season, because that was the year they won the cup. They won the cup uh, and got relegated. Like, Only time yeah. that's ever been done. Yeah. Yeah, they um, won the cup of beat Man City in the final, but I just thought, I just, we didn't really get the the game flowing. We didn't really have the players on the field. I think we had Andy Keogh up front, who on his day isn't a bad striker. I always thought he was pretty good for us, but he just didn't have his day. And no. yeah, it was it was just more that we've we've made the cup semi final more than let's actually have an eye to the cup final. But it's funny. I mean, you compare the current at that current first choice eleven. You know that, that's that as as the the season has has come to uh, some sort of um, pause, if not finish. Compare our current eleven with this this team here. Um, and no disrespect to David Ford, who I regard as a, a good goalkeeper, very very solid goalkeeper, a great servant for the club. But Ford, Dunn, Shitu, Beavers, Lowry. Um, not bad back line, but I think I'd take our current back line over that, wouldn't you, um, Michael? Com- in a straight comparison, as a back, a back four and goalkeeper, Ford, Dunn, Shitu, Beavers, and Lowry. I think I'd back the current uh, Bielkowski, um, Hutchinson, and, uh, and and Cooper, and so on in that back line. Then we've got Jack Smith, um, honest journeyman player, uh, Jimmy Abdu, uh, a great mill servant, but um, you know he he was who he was. St. Ledger, you've mentioned him already, James Henry, Keogh up front, and Chris Taylor. I think pound for pound, our current team out outplays that any day of the week. I think our team now would beat that team in a straight contest, in my opinion. Yeah, and this um and this isn't taking anything away from that side because again, I, I always I always rated Beavers, I always rated Shitu. Um I wasn't necessarily the biggest Lowry fan that everyone else seems to be. I, I, I mean, he, he, he weren't a bad player, but... He scored a goal Jolton. <laughs> yeah, he scored a good goal Jolton, yeah. Um, <laughs> I never really bought into the hype that, that some others did, but, you know, they're, they're more entitled to their opinion. But but as you say, Nick, yeah, I mean, this side would comfortably beat that side. And uh, and in truth, a lot of those players that were on, that were playing in that, Cup semi-final were very much players that on their day were very good players, as I said with the example of Keo. but yeah. there, there was no consistency apart from maybe Jack Smith, uh, and I think this is a measure, as I said on our show again in the 0-9-10 season, just how good a manager Jack it was that he could keep a side like that in, in the championship for so many seasons. Yeah, I mean it was it was an honest eleven rather than an inspiring eleven, um, and I'm not knocking any of that team, but I think that you, what you've just oh, said... Oh, no, not at all. Um, but I just think if you take our current eleven versus that eleven, there, was, there were more mistakes in that in that side. There was more um, willing but limited players um, and less less inspirational. So, I mean, James Henry could produce on on the day, but Liam Trotter, I see, came in for Jimmy Abdu. But these both enigma type players. You never knew what what performance you're going to get. And invariably, it was like one decent performance in five or six starts and um you know just as a straight comparison it's it's quite interesting 
Um, but there we are. That was the uh, the first of the two infamous games. I'm going to follow it straight away. Um, I'm going to follow Millwall nil Wigan 2. Infamous for many, many reasons. I don't intend to dwell on those in this show. Although I was still very close to the action, shall we say. Just to the side of it. Very bizarre afternoon in many respects. But we're going to move on now to, to match number five, Michael. And I've picked out another memorable game for the wrong reasons. Uh, Millwall 1. Norwich City 4, the sacking of Ian Holloway, and that took place on my notes here, the 7th of March 2015. Um, that was the end of Ian Holloway, rightfully so as well, because that was the game he didn't come out of the the uh, the, the, uh, the training, uh, the, under, the manager's uh, hutch down there. Um, I might actually repost that. I might it just. It might, it's a new, I find I always find it quite fascinating these kinds of games. I just found on the the news at Den they didn't have a report. They had like an infographic. They used to do infographics on the news at Den, and it's a kind of a psychedelic um, gra- graph, I suppose, a pictorial depiction of an absolute slaughtering. Lots of yellow and green possession. Lots of yellow and green goals, um, and not much in the way of blue and white on there. Um, so yeah. Um, the end of Ian Holloway. You know, I, um, I have to say, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen, um, and and the, the the fans weren't happy. Don't get me wrong, and the fans made it clear that they weren't happy, but I've never seen such cowardice from a professional person as in a football manager or a player in in all my time watching football. Now I know a lot of people have a bit of a laugh with Holloway and say, "Are he's this and Are he's that," but I think that. That just showed the utter, utter lack of class that man has got, not just as a professional, but as an individual. The fact that he kept sending, if I, if, if memory serves me correct, he kept sending Neil Harris out to yeah. instruct the side because he, he, he just knew that we wouldn't have a go at Neil Harris. And every time Neil Harris went out, the booze that just ripped around the stadium, not at Neil Harris, but at no, the sheer at Holloway, cowardice yeah. that he sent, how Harris that to try and calm it down was absolutely ludicrous in my opinion. And that's that. I mean, the only other time in uh, I have seen in recent memory, the fans act like that to, to the the club or, or the, the board was when we, was when we lost to, uh, was when we lost to Southampton in the cup under Nigel Spackman. Well, I think we lost on like three or was four. That a four, deal? We was four deal? Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the league cup. And I just remember, I mean, I got involved with it as well. I'm not going to sit there a holier than now. I was absolutely spitting venom, but that was more at the the, the ball at the time appointing Spackman. The fact that all these good players had gone and what we was being replaced with against the Southampton side weren't necessarily that good. Um, but again, going back to the point you made um, and, and the game, I just think that Holloway really showed his lack of class. And as I say to everyone who's never had Ian Holloway in charge of their club, so for example, like a a Tottenham fan or a Manchester United fan who goes, oh, I like Holloway, he's a character. I say, you wait till you have him in charge of your club and see how he absolutely ruins that. Absolutely. One interesting thing I'm just looking at, um, the crowd that day was a comparatively low crowd, 11,116. I know we were going nowhere at the time, but that's, you know, by modern standards, that's on the low side at Millwall. We generally do better than that. Um, Of that 11,116, Michael, there were 2,500 Norwich fans. I think they were top of the table, certainly promotion bound. So that's about 8,000 Millwall fans. And that probably includes season ticket holders who didn't show. So, you know, um, that gives you a measure of how far the, the club had fallen. 
Um, I'd also just want to read the team that day because it's worth a look. Um, so we have David Ford in goal, a backline of Alan Dunn, Sid Nelson, Hueyvelt, is it Pierre Hueyvelt? Uh, yeah, Dan, oh, yeah. Dan, Dan Harding, um, midfield, Sean Williams is still with us. Uh, Nicky Bailey, replaced by Tong. I can't remember Tong. Um, Taylor Fletcher across the middle. Fabrini and Martin Walford. And up front, um, Ricardo Fuller, replaced by Aidan O'Brien. Says it all really, doesn't it? So O'Brien still with us. William still with us. Otherwise, that's, yeah, that says it all. That 11 says it all. Um, that was the end of, of Ian Holloway. And he was, by this stage, actually, I mean, just going back to your point about him hiding out and sending out other people's kind of human shields for him. He was just hanging on for the money by this stage. And he was, he was just wanting his payout. He knew the game was up. And he just wanted to cling on and be sacked rather than resign and go with honour. And um, yeah. I think measure of the man, measure of the man. So there we are. That's that's the, the two infamous games, um, Norwich and Wigan. But we're going to move on to happier results now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You are listening to Achten Millwall. As we come to match number six, and I went to this game. This was a wonderful performance. Bradford City won Millwall three. This was a playoff semi-final. Um, May the 15th, 2016. Did you go up there for this one, Michael? Did you um, watch it on the TV? No, I didn't. I was, I was watching it on the TV. This was the, uh, this was the game where All Lee kick Greg off. we got absolutely... Yeah, yeah. yeah see, uh, where Lee Greg got absolute dog's abuse and then put one in the back of the net, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, we drove up, went up with Doug, actually. If you're listening, Doug, we drove up on the morning. I think I met Doug at um, just outside of the, the Blackwall Tunnel. There's a, a petrol station there. I got dropped off there. Um, and we shot up to Bradford in time. I think it was a 12 o'clock kickoff. It was something like that. It was a most um, fan-unfriendly game. I think they had it as the morning um, match on the, on TV. Um, wonderful day, because um, Bradford actually went ahead in that game, if memory serves. They, they took the lead. That's correct, yeah. Before we stormed back at them. And as you say, there's images there of Lee Gregory. Um, after He equalised within two minutes. 
Um, Gregory flashing home from eight yards out, it says from Millwall, then Morrison um, plants a bullet header into the into the host's net off a crossbar. And then there was just on the stroke of half time, I think it was, uh, was it Joe Martin? Joe Martin, there we are, adding a third for the visitors with a, an excellent free kick. It was a wonderful half of football. I've never seen um, a blitz, blitzkrieg by Millside in the same way as having gone behind as well when, you know, let's be honest, heads could have dropped in that situation and to respond in the way we did was wonderful. Um, fairly long second half. It seemed to go on a little bit. Uh, the, you know, you get to that kind of um, chewing your fingernail stage, don't you? When you're leading that well at half time, you know, you've still got a further 45 to go in the second half, but we, we held on and that was the final. We, was it Barnsley? We, we got beat in the final that season, didn't we? In the playoff final. Barnsley, I yes, think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, st- I still always remember that Barnsley game. So I remember the Bradford game. Um, I remember the Bradford game, obviously the second leg where we were so we were so convinced in, weren't we? And uh, just got the yeah. job done there as well. But I always, I always remember with that Barnsley game, um, I was right on the corner where uh, where we was attacking for the first half. I was literally, you know, I think there was a chair between me and and the uh, sort of concrete bit around Wembley. And I always remember we got a corner in the first what minute or two, didn't we? That's right. And uh, the corner come, the corner come in, the keeper saved it. As I'm clapping, going, keep the pressure on, lads. They run up the other end and scored while I was still clapping from the pressure <laughs> that we'd put on. <laughs> it was, that was another um, another kind of depressing game. I didn't put it in my list of um, infamous fixtures. I thought we, we, we'd done enough with Wigan, let alone Barnsley. So um, I, I dropped that one yeah, out. Stick Bradford, <laughs> I stick to Bradford. That was a great day. Um, but my next choice, I think every Millwall fan listening to this show, I hope, would agree. Um, I think this possibly was Neil Harris's finest hour. Millwall won Leicester City nil. Uh, FA Cup fifth round on the 18th of February 2017. Um, a 10-man victory over the champions, the Premier League champions at the time. I think it's, I know it's a cup tie and, you know, people always elevate the league to be the uh, the pinnacle of, 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 a, of a footballer's achievement. But this was a wonderful, wonderful moment. And I think, um, if nothing else, you know, Neil Harris gave us a lot as a, as a manager and as a player, but as a manager... This, this for me was the pinnacle of his career. I think as a manager, because I, I know we beat Everton um, a couple of seasons ago now, nearly. Um, but this for me beat it hands down. Given that we were what a league, league one side, and down to ten men, Michael, what a performance it was that day. Yeah, you literally just took the words out of my mouth there. I was literally just going to correct you and say, uh, don't forget, it was a ten man league one side who did that as well, because it was it was ironic, wasn't it, that they were the uh, the uh, Premier League champions, and but at the time, I think the other teams in the draw, everyone was a little bit like, oh, they might be champions, but we'd rather have had sort of like Man City or we'd rather have had so and so. But again, it was still, as you say, it was still the current Premier League champions. And I'll tell you what, what a performance! And well, it, was. it was just, it was just, it was just a great game. And and this is another one we, we were touching on earlier on with. Uh, with managers who got sacked. I know Ranieri didn't get sacked straight after this one, but this was one of the final nails in the coffin. It had to have been because I know Leicester were poor that season. And I know, in, you know, looking back, they, in theory, shouldn't have really won the Premier League the year before. It was just because everyone else was so poor, not taking anything away from them. But it, it was. But yeah, as, as you say, you know, like champions of England, you're having a laugh. I just remember that ringing around the den. And and the fact it was uh, the way Cummings, well, yeah, it was Cummings, wasn't it? Pulling Cummings, Sean Cummings, last minute so, of the game. 
Yeah, yeah so dramatic. And, and the bit that still gets me was the way it was uh, Byron Webster, according to the commentator, who gets credited for the assist when it was so clearly Neil uh, Lee Gregory who brought <laughs> it down and played him through. But, uh, Absolute yeah, what, what mayhem. Absolute mayhem when it went in. Uh, a mate of mine who's actually not a football fan, he lives nearby and lives in Rotherhive, but he said it felt like a, an earthquake. It was like a, a, an explosion when 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 that goal went in, and it was you know on the other side of Suffolk Park to to where the ground is. Um, I mean, I, I just want to go back to it was a it wasn't a first choice Leicester side, but you're still talking about you know players that are, are playing at international level. Managed by Claudio Ranieri, who I know has got a slight kind of um, jokey quality, but a, a manager that had won the Premier League, has experience in Italy and internationally. Um, and a, a, a team with Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mahrez sitting on the on the bench. You know, this is this is not a slouch eleven, And they actually went close themselves during the game. I mean, they, they, they would still think they should have won that game because they should have had the quality in that team to dispense of a side that at the time was six in League One, according to this report on the talk sport uh, website i'm just looking at here um wonderful performance um i think possibly one of my favorites ever as a Millwall fan i think for the circumstances and the fighting nature of it i i, I think i put it up there of any any great Millwall performance generally in my in my lifetime i think it's one of the one of the greats personally i can't i can't think of many that would top it put it that way um so yeah Millwall won less than nil 18th of February 2017 FA Cup fifth round. Um, we move along because we've got three more to go, dear listeners. And my next choice um, as a great occasion rather than a great game, um, Millwall won Bradford City nil in the playoff final 20th of May 2017. Um, a, another day where we beat Bradford. <laughs> we seem to have the hoodoo over, over Bradford. Um, but that was, this was a close game as well, Michael. I mean, both of the games where we've been victorious have been quite edgy affairs, haven't they, really? Both times we've just about nudged, nudged past the other team decisively in the end, but, you know, not as, not, they were close-run things. No, exactly. And I think with that game as well is that everyone, everyone likes the sort of comfortable 3-0 wins and the 4-0 wins and everything like that, or 4-1s, etc. But I just think that was, even though it was a 1-0, that was a real determined performance. You know, we was... There wasn't much action and there wasn't, you know, many, many chances. But if there was only one team that was going to win that game, it was going to be Millwall. Uh, that that Jordan Archer save, yeah. wow, was just phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And, it, and that it, we, we've touched on it a few times and we, we know that Harry has his opinion on Jordan Archer. But when we say the potential the boy had and how sort of far he's fallen to a degree, because I know he's, he's, he's with Fulham at the moment. You know, yeah, he's, not start, member, he's not starting, he's, he's a squad man. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, um, but that, that save, that, that wasn't a League One sort of former trainee at Tottenham save. That was a top, top class, experienced goalkeeping save. That was a very, very good save. And, and the finish for Steve Morrison as well, because... Yes, Steve Morrison is is a great player for Millwall, but the fact that even when he scored that goal, he was still sort of getting on a bit, if you will, managed to find that space, managed to find that half a yard to put that yeah. in. What what a feeling! And I know that I know that that final's known for, I know that final's known for the whole he ruined it for me and all this and everything like that, which we won't touch on. But very similar to to like with the Kenny Jacket thing before. 
it takes a lot of maturity. And you were saying about uh, Neil Harris's finest moment beating Ranieri, which I could probably agree with. But this has got to be close where you're a young, inexperienced manager who's got relegated with arguably one of the worst overinflated sides yeah. Millwall have had in easily the last quarter of a century. And you've rebuilt that, lost the playoff final, managed to keep that team built on it and convincingly won a playoff final. Just what a great yeah. game. What a great game. What a great event. I've never looked at the stats and I'm, I'm not a major on stats, but this one I don't mind. Um, I didn't realise total shots um, for both sides, 17 shots for Bradford City, three of which were on target. 14 shots that day for Millwall, only two on target, one of which went in the net, of course, the, the crucial the crucial statistic. Um, 59% to 41% possession in favour of Bradford. Um, one yellow card for Millwall, and critically, one goal, which was scored by that, that cross. Oh, it, it's, it's funny how you invent memories. I was under laboured under the illusion it was Shane Ferguson that crossed the ball. It was, it was Sean Williams that crossed with the flick header on from, um, from, from Lee Gregory, and then as you say, poked home from close by Steve Morrison. And, and the, 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 a cliche that we've, we've mentioned before is that the, the spaces in your head, is, it takes intelligence, football intelligence, to find those bases, to be in that position and to get that chance from close range. Uh, and Steve Morrison, very intelligent striker. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how, you know, any potential management career, if he, if he decides to go down that road, Michael, you, you get a sense his management material um not to say it'll be a success but it's going to be an interesting you know career for him if 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 he does decide to take that route we shall see no indeed indeed and um funnily enough i only recently managed to catch up with your uh show you did with tony monday when you were yeah. talking about your yeah. favorites versus best and uh towards the end you know you'd pick some great players and then there was the mention for steve morrison and it's reasons like this where where you have to uh, you have to consider Steve Morrison in your in your sort of best ever Millwall eleven because of the fact that it's very similar to Neil Harris when Neil Harris left Millwall the first time and then came back. Steve Morrison adapted his game. You know when he was at Millwall the first time, yes, he wasn't known as the sort of speedy Michael Owen no. number nine forward who ran through, but he was very much um, he he had a bit of pace about him. He had a bit of Sort of battling about him, but when he came back for what was it his third time because he came back on loan as well. Three spells, three spells, he, yeah. He, yeah, he, he completely changed his game and worked it to his advantage. So that that's not just a sign of a good Millwall striker. That's a good sign. That's a sign of a very good all-round Professional. striker. And yeah, player. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think he did very well. It takes intelligence to adapt your game to the demands of of your body, um, its age, and the demands of the management that you're playing for at the time. So, no hats off to to Steve Morrison. Um, that was game number eight, Millwall one, Bradford City nil in a playoff final, 2017. Two more to go, dear listeners, and they, this is just a very swiftly uh, put together choice, really, as I look back at it now. But Leeds United three, Millwall four, I've chosen. Because it's just sheer wonder. It was just wonderful. Um, that's on the 20th of Jan, uh, 2018. Um, a great day. I was up there. I met Harry up there. I think his, his brother was up there with him. And the travelling support was one of the first games, I think, where we could take fans on on, on mass, having had the, uh, the, the, you know, the service station pickup restrictions lifted from us. Um, and it was a wonderful day out. And I must admit, when we 
gave up the two goal lead, which we we we, we built up a first half two 0 lead, managed to throw that away inside the uh, the opening minutes of the second half because. Leeds is one of the great grounds of football. I know that we have their uh, our niggles and the, you know, the, the the Jimmy Savile songs and all the rest of it. But Ellen Roads, I think, is one of the great grounds of English football, and one of the great occasions is whenever Leeds play anybody at, at, at um, Ellen Road because they are a club with grandeur and history, uh, and somehow we, it brings the best out of a, of a Millwall side um, to go and play there. So to make a comeback despite them being down to 10 men as well, um, which um, probably helped our cause a little bit, and come back through Tom Elliott, Tom Elliott's finest hour to, to equalise, Michael, uh, make it 3-3, having come back and, you know, after the after the, uh, the the stunning kind of turnaround, start of the second half, Tom Elliott slides it in, probably his finest moment in the middle shirt, in my opinion. And then that incredible last-minute winner um, where... Uh, Jed shoots, and I think it takes a little flick from from Lee Gregory on on the way into the net and made it four three. Um, I often re-listen to my commentary, so I was doing the um, the in-game stream of consciousness, and I, I became confused as to whose goal it was. Um, and it comes out, I think, when um, when you listen to that that show back again, because it's uh, Wallace Gregory, Wallace J. Gregory, who, who scored. Don't know. Um, credited to Jed Wallace. Phil Mill uh, three. Uh, Mill, uh, Leeds three, Mill four, and that was the start of the. Um, we had a bit of an unbeaten run after that. It took us close to the playoffs in the end, didn't it? That season, that was the that was the uh, the, yeah. the start of it all. Yeah, it was. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get up to Ellen Road for that one. Um, and full credit to everyone who did. And and it's one of those ones I look back at and think, when it comes to away games, I really wish that was one I'd obviously gone to in hindsight. But yeah, I mean, I mean, what you say about Leeds United is is spot on. I and as as many Millwall fans. I can't stand Leeds. I absolutely hate Leeds, <laughs> and 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 you 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 know me well enough now, Nick, and the guys do. I literally cannot. I am oh, honestly. It's, it's irrational, Michael. <laughs> oh, I've been saying for months that this will be the worst season of my life. That Liverpool win the Premier League and Leeds go up, but um, but. But it absolutely pains me to say it. it you, you're right about Leeds United. How on earth that is not a Premier League team is is beyond me. And and they they really are. I mean, if, if, yes, they've got this overinflated arrogance about them, which we all know about. But that they are one of the top ten teams in the country. There there is no doubt about it. Leeds United are absolutely enormous. Absolutely. So yeah, you're right. For, for us for us to go somewhere like Ellen Road, which yeah, yes, Mill, Mill will thrive on being the underdog and Mill will thrive on, you know, being tucked up in the away stands in, in stadiums. You know, you've been in, in them, I've been in them. But as you say, I, I've not experienced Ellen Road, but you have. But I can only imagine that that would overawe anyone. So the fact we managed to do that was just such a, such a great day. I mean, I remember watching Soccer Saturday on home at home, going 2-0 yeah. up, as you say, half-time, and then we blew it. And then it went 3-2, as you say, and I'm thinking, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, we, we've we've thrown it away. It's Leeds. We're not going to get anything back, as as most people would. But but yeah, wow. Even sitting in the front room in uh, in South London, I, I I probably was going through the emotions with you guys. So yeah, what a game! Fantastic afternoon, wonderful day. So that's Leeds three, Mill four, twentieth of January, twenty eighteen. And so we come to my final choice of uh, ten games from the last ten years. Uh, my final choice, again, I think it's probably a fairly conventional choice, really. It's Millwall 3, 
Everton 2 in the FA Cup fourth round. Um, dated 26th of January 2019, so just over a year ago now, and it's just about a year and a quarter ago. Um, what a wonderful, wonderful evening. Friday evening game, um, live on the telly. Um, and you get these kind of moments that keep coming back into your mind, don't you? I mean, the yeah, we went behind twice to Everton, another Premier League side, expensively assembled. You know, not perhaps not performing brilliantly well, but certainly more than you know more than enough in their resources to expect to get past us. And we came back both times. I think was it Lee Gregory and then the Jake Cooper goal, wasn't it? The um, the one that came off his arm that may or may not be disallowed now if they picked shoulder. it up. Shoulder. Shoulder. Accidental shoulder. Um, I'm going from memory. I was just, just trying, I had a match report on my iPad listeners. It's gone blank. Um, I think probably wants to put loads of adverts on my screen. So I'll do it from memory. Um, yeah, so we, we, we pulled it back to two all. Um, relatively late in the game, that the, the Cooper equalised. I, I thought at that point that... Um, you know, it's going to be a, a hard fault draw, and we're going to go for a replay up at Everton. But then, of course, we had Murray, the, Murray, the moment of Murray Donner, didn't we, in the last in the last seconds of the game? Um, as dramatic finishes go, I mean, it's, it's probably up there on a par with the Sean Cummings goal in, in some respects. The only difference being that Everton weren't quite such a, you know, they they, they hadn't not long won the Premier League. In, in, that's about the only difference I can think of. Otherwise, it was on a par with the Cummings goal, in my opinion. Well, yeah, you you were. Uh... You, you sort of say that about Everton, though. I remember meeting Aaron outside the ground before yeah. the kickoff, about half hour before kickoff, and we had a look at the lineup. And obviously, Aaron's knowledge of of uh, football generally is far exceeds mine. Um, yeah. But we, I remember looking at the Everton lineup, and he said, "What a side! He's gone. What a side they're putting out! Look what's on the bucks. I, I believe Theo Walcott was on the bench as well, and um." He was just saying that, you know, Millwall, not not in an horrible way, don't get me wrong, but he was like, you know, this will be a real tough game for Millwall, which we would have imagined anyway. Yeah. Um, but I remember Aaron saying that, you know, I, I still sort of our fancy to do it, but this is a good side. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what what an occasion. And, and, and we've now got that famous moment with Neil Harris uh, asking for the screen to be turned off. Not not that VAR was around then, but um, asking for the screen to be turned off for the Jake Cooper <laughs> goal. Moment of high so <laughs> yeah, so obviously he punched it into the top corner. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, what, what a game. What, a what game. an atmosphere. And, what an atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, and and similar as you were saying before, our Millwall, um, the Millwall Palace games go, I always remember that whenever Millwall played Everton over the years, and this is for some of the... Uh, Younger listeners who we've checked by a demographic don't actually listen, but there's hoping no, they don't know do during this. Uh, <laughs> if you're under the age of 18, you don't know who we are. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, but I, I remember, um, I remember obviously in the mid 2000s, we had the one all with Everton with uh, when Tim Cahill came back. I think it was Marvin Williams scored, I think it was yep, in 2005, yep, six, yep, yeah. Yep. And also in the mid nineties, I believe we beat them four two, didn't we? We did. I think so it was, was a, a league, uh, league cup game, if memory serves. Yeah, it was a, Yeah, Dave Savage, who was probably the biggest Savage. pig who I've ever seen wear a Milwaukee. <laughs> I think he banged in two. <laughs> I went to the, uh, the the Goodison game in the midweek after the Marvin Williams goal. I, I, I went up there. Um, I, I, I don't know why I did it. I went up on a coach, supporters club coach. Coach. It wasn't coach one. It was like possibly coach two. And I went up there. I don't know why I did it that way. It was the first and only time I ever went to an away game on the coach. And I'll say no more than that. 
after that, I decided I'd drive. I, I, if I needed to sleep, I'll sleep in the lay-by somewhere. I wouldn't get the coach anymore. So anyway, that's just an aside to that. <laughs> but wonderful night, wonderful um, cup cup tie night. And was it Spurs after that? Was it? Oh, no, no, it was Brighton, wasn't it? Of course, Brighton. Was yeah, the, it was um, Brighton. Oh god, yeah. the day of the day of Dave Martin in the quarterfinal, where we would have otherwise would have faced potential annihilation at the hands of Manchester City in the semi-final. But that would have been um. That could possibly have been another FA inquiry. If they wanted one out of Everton, they possibly could have got one out of um, Millwall playing Manchester City at New Wembley. That would have been a date. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think Jake Cooper's penalty still ain't come down. But, um... <laughs> that would have kept you and the MSC busy after that game if we'd have got to that semi-final. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, dear. I'd Wonderful have, stuff. I'd, 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 have to, I'd have had to put an out-of-office on for six Out of office. I resign. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful stuff Michael Avery um, an impromptu um, show and I really appreciate you doing this mate because what this started out as turned out, didn't happen and we had to turn it into a, um, a conventional podcast I think I might stick to conventional podcasts um, I, I, I was trying to do this idea of live radio and it's I got a bit um, carried away with it I think I might leave it just the podcasting leave the live streaming for others um, to do our demographic is all um, middle-aged blokes mostly. I'm not sure they want live radio, Michael. I think they want they want what they like, which is a traditional podcast. And I think I'm going to keep it to that. There we are. <laughs> Big thank you, Michael Avery. Um, speak another night, mate. Many, many thanks for doing the show. Um, thank you, dear listener, for listening. Um, thank you for those that are getting in touch with the email and the and the and the Twitter feed. I will um, do another one, my little uh, history inserts another day, and I'll, I'll mention a few of those. Uh, but until then, it's Arriva Dirty Mill. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay two meters apart and wash your hands. Bye for now. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com or one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things normal and the best messages will be read out on air A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.